Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. You can find him on X at the real underscore G Warner. What's up, Griffin? Thank you for the introduction. I uh, appreciate everyone finally finding me on the uh, the X platform, the X Twitter. I'm not really sure what to call it, but yeah. um, not a huge fan of their CEO. But I am a huge fan of college basketball of this show. And, uh, you know, it was a great weekend, uh, tons of basketball I still have to watch, but um, I'm very prepared for this episode, and uh, I feel like I got another best bet winner coming my way. Yeah, yesterday was, I, it was certainly my heaviest volume day uh, in college basketball, as we record this on Sunday, so Saturday was my heaviest volume day. And there was, uh, it was up and down. Uh, I mean, luckily, I mean, I, I think I, I finished down a few units for the day, but uh, luckily NFL and, and UFC made up for that. Um, Heck of an NFL some, weekend from you, by the way. Yeah, it's been good. It's well, it's the and season, season has been very too. Good I think to I me. saw you on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, there was some games that like were just heartbreaking losses. Like uh, I had NC State minus, uh, minus seven against Louisville and they I mean they started that game up like 20 to nothing or something it was like a blowout and then they miss a free throw at the end of the game and win by six and it was like okay it's gonna be one of those days uh Winthrop and Radford went to triple overtime I had minus four and it landed four it's like (laughs) it was just uh and then there were some that I was just playing wrong on like uh James Madison laid an egg against Appalachian State uh, and I think my worst bet of the entire season was Santa Clara uh, plus five and a half or six against St. Mary's. Glad we both had that one, baby. Yeah. And of course, my best bet was a loser as Baylor let Cincinnati get back into the game. Uh, they ended up closing them out, but it was one of those where the the line makes it look like, oh man, you're you're in great shape. They're up, uh, they're up seven points with three minutes to go and then um they go on like a two minute scoring drought and then it's a it's all of a sudden a game again so but there were great games um you know we talked about the the new mexico game uh, new mexico and san diego state and you texted me beforehand and said i'm just letting you know now i'm not gonna bet san diego state and i'm saying this so i don't bet san diego state and uh, you early on, you were probably when they're up thirteen. Yourself. I was not feeling great. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and then uh, boy, what a second half by the Lobos! Uh, such a good second half, in fact, that they've made our rundown for the second consecutive show. Who nice. would have thought? And um, speaking of teams that blew it, um, we'll have Creighton on our rundown once again, uh, as they could not hold off. I mean, they hold off the Johnnies for the win, but I mean, we don't count wins and losses here. We count covers and non-covers. So uh, good teams let's get win, into it. Great teams cover, right? Isn't that the uh, the saying? And I I think that's what they say. And, and you think, know what? The more I thought about it, I don't know that there's a great team this year. Are there great teams this year? Like, feels like everybody's pretty good. There's a lot of pretty good teams at the top. There's not that team that is like a, a terrifying boogeyman team. Like uh, UConn has holes. Purdue has holes like I, I I just don't know if there's any team that I'm like how can anyone beat this team and you might have been able to say that about Houston a couple days ago and now they've lost two in a row uh Arizona looks very very beatable away from home so 
Like, is it, is it in your mind, is there a great team this season? Uh, I don't see it. I think we're in a tournament setting where it's really all about three-point variance and who makes the most shots slash who can get a, a defensive stop when you need to. And I don't necessarily think a one seed does that more often than a five seed or even a eight seed or something like that. So I feel like the F- FAUs, the San Diego States of the past, they're going to be very viable in the NCAA tournament. And uh, you might have heard it before on this podcast or on college basketball, just comparisons in this world. It's all about the matchups. And uh, some teams are going to have big holes that others can exploit. And if you get a lucky draw where you face a bunch of teams that can't do that, or you get a really fortunate draw where you face a team like St. Peter's in the Elite Eight or something like that, you can blast them. And then um, I I don't think UConn got lucky last year. I think they were really competitive with almost everyone, but they did have that – start of the tournament with St. Mary's being so banged up. And that was probably their hardest game against the St. Mary's team that were like basically playing guys that could barely walk uh, due to back injuries and stuff. So it's all seemingly fortune. I'm trying to build a futures portfolio with some long shots. I have that available as a package on pregame.com. So go check that out. Um, uh, But it's, it's, it's hard because hedging is really difficult and you really never know what's going to happen. So I'm just looking for super long shots that might have a shot to potentially stymie some teams are playing. And I think this is the kind of year to play that way because, I, I mean, this is one of those years where if a four or five seed won, it w- I wouldn't blink twice at it. And, and I think it's kind of pushing me to play more dogs right now because I, I just feel like even Ken Palm, currently Ken Palm says that on a neutral floor, Houston would be minus twelve against Kentucky or Kansas. I, I that that yeah. world doesn't exist to me. So I like I, I think that you're seeing that again. Where I think there's no great great teams. I think all these teams are way more tightly bunched than than it seems like the uh, the market or the analytics do. Uh, so I'm I'm leaning up to a lot of dogs here lately. But let's jump into this thing, and let's start in the Hoosier State, Purdue at Indiana. And I, uh, when I was trying to figure this line, Ken Palm says this is Purdue eleven, mm. <laughs> and it, I there is almost no world where I can see Purdue laying double digits at Indiana. But you know, crazier things have happened. I guess I projected at eight. Uh, and this this rivalry was lopsided for years and years. Indiana's won three out of four now, but before that, Purdue had won 12 out of 13, and it just felt like Indiana just can't ever beat Purdue. The crazy thing about winning three out of the four in the last two years is that Zach Eady's been absolutely dominant. In those four games, 81 points, 54 rebounds for Zach Eady. Uh, but for Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis played a pretty big part in those wins, and obviously he's gone. Uh, Hoosiers, much more reliable team at home. They beat Ohio State and Minnesota. I think those are pretty good teams. Uh, and we've seen that Purdue, like I said, good, not great. Uh, Purdue's already lost at Northwestern. They lost at Nebraska. I think Indiana's not only better than those teams, I think they're playing in a, a tougher building. This will be a much tougher uh, road game for Purdue. And I know it's less travel, but I think that the, uh, the fans will be raucous. So uh, I'm certainly leaning to Indiana. I'm going to wait and see what kind of number I can get, but if I can get eight or more, 
I'm going to be with the Hoosiers. What do you think? Yeah, 11 sounds like a dream. Uh, I don't really know. Some of these numbers have been absolutely insane recently. And uh, I think it was my highest volume of Saturday. I felt like I had my entire bank account and then money I borrowed uh, on the line at all times. It felt like, which was not the most comfortable, but I think... (laughs) Uh, I've yet to tally it all up, but I feel like it was it was a good weekend. And it's been a good start to the year for me. So uh, any sort of number with a plus sign, I think I'm into IU here. Uh, yes, that's really terrifying. I've been doing a fairly good job of avoiding fading Zach Eady, but uh, I feel like I've missed out on some opportunities away from home because ultimately Purdue is a dominant home team, just like it feels like 150 teams in college basketball this year. So my, I guess, dilemma or feeling about Purdue is that they are a really great big man who no one can defend and a lot of great shooters. But then all of a sudden when they go away, uh, those shooters aren't as great. They aren't very athletic. They're not, I, to me, very good defenders. So my fear really for Purdue in general, especially if you're backing them long term or potentially have a future on them to win the tournament, is that they don't get to play all their games at Mackey Arena. And uh, this is going to be a like vitriolic, like I wouldn't be shocked if someone throws a beer on the court type of game. So uh, to me, IU, I, I think I told you I, I was expecting three. So, um, I mean, my numbers have been off on home underdogs and I feel like it's been uh, to my benefit recently. I imagine that will change sometime soon. Uh, but it's it, it feels to me like some of the best teams in the country are just getting way too much respect. Uh, Houston, I was against twice last week, um, and it used to be you tried to like at least from my perspective, I was like this team's really good. I don't want to fade them even when they're a road favorite. But I feel like I need to throw that rule out the window and even lever up even further because these good teams, as we mentioned, are not as good as they have been in the past. And Purdue, I mean, you talk about teams who are pretty reliant on the whistle. Uh, Zach Eady, like dependent, it's everything's dependent on how they call his game. Like if they just let them beat up Zach Eady, then you know it's it's a tough night for Purdue. If if they put Zach Eady on the line twenty times, you're probably not beating that Purdue team. So uh, certainly something to watch. And I, I'm with you. I think the home field or home court is just uh, is too valuable here, especially if you're catching anything more than a touchdown for sure. Uh, let's move to the SEC, where as we like to say, it just means more. Uh, Florida at Tennessee and Tennessee were projecting at minus eight at home. And I, I don't know that this is going to be an ultra competitive matchup, but I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to talk about these two teams because Florida is, they're interesting because I mean, they almost knocked off Kentucky. Uh, of course that was at home. Uh, and then they got just blasted by Ole Miss, uh, and, I, and maybe a game we talked about. But it, they, I mean, they a best they, bet of uh, yours truly. Yeah, and that that game wasn't even competitive. And then Tennessee has been, you know, kind of up and down. Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with with home road splits. But losing to Mississippi State on the road, not great. Almost losing to Georgia on the road, not great. Now they get back home. Uh, Ken Palm makes this 10. I'm, I'm giving a little grace here, and maybe maybe this line does end up being higher than that, but I do think the money seemed to come in on Florida uh, before their games the last few weeks. But what do you think of these two teams right now, and, and do you think that Florida can, can at least hang around in this game uh, up in Knoxville? So I have a lot to say about Tennessee, but I'll start with Florida. 
Um, they're still, to me, a very puzzling type of team with a lot of new players, new faces. I still don't know if I really trust what Todd Golden is building there. Slash, It was kind of like cool at San Francisco because he was analytically savvy, taking over for Kyle Smith, who had moved on to Washington State. He was this young hotshot that used analytics. And it's worked really well. Got him a big job at Florida. Clearly, he's done way better than his predecessor, who's still stuck at Washington State in the independent conference next year or something like that. So that's been working out fairly well. Um, but I don't really know what to make of their team. And it's starting to feel to me like some of these math gurus and, and analytical type of folks have done a really good job of gaming the system and making their team get very highly respected by the marketplace uh, because their analytics and uh, tempo numbers and adjusted efficiencies are great, but I don't know necessarily how good they are. Um, so that's a question for me. Um, I think from uh, just in general with Florida, uh, I will want to back them at home and want to fade them away. Um, I think as I could say for half of the division one at this point, uh, but Florida's, I mean, I think they're walking into Alliance Den. Tennessee is so scary to fade at home. Um, and even getting a big price like eight, I don't think that's even close for me at this point. So um, too big of a number for me to even consider the, uh, the underdog or the favorite, excuse me, and, and no interest in the underdog until it gets into the teens, most likely. Um, so probably nothing for me to do there. Uh, the Tennessee matchup this weekend, I mean, I bet Georgia, that was incredible. It looked like I had won the bet in the first half, then lost the bet in the first half then won the bet again in the second half. I, I went so many different emotions of counting the the money and making sure it hit my account before I made another bet versus being like, oh my God, I can't believe I just lost this. And then literally down the stretch, if they didn't get an offensive rebound at the end, I think there was going to be two foul shots made and I would have lost plus seven and a half. So um, that was wild. Uh, I think it really just speaks to the three-point shooting of Tennessee because they're very three-point reliant, even though they're such a great defense, where if they make them for like the first 16 minutes of the first half, they can erase a huge deficit, take a big lead, but then they don't score for the last four minutes, and all of a sudden it's a tight game at halftime, and then basically repeat that in the second half. So to me, they're still a team I can't trust away. Uh, I hope that they're going to be a big favorite moving forward, but I imagine those numbers will kind of shrink as they – face real teams, the SEC and, and the market and analytics and things kind of beat them into shape a little bit. Um, but they are a team I am not interested in, in fading in Knoxville. And, and honestly, anytime I get Tennessee is a, a cheap type of favorite there, I will probably be playing it. I just don't know who, who that will be unless it's maybe Alabama in town or Kentucky or some really great team. And uh, maybe Tennessee had just had a, one of their bad shooting nights on the road or something like that heading into it. Yeah, that's that's. Pro- I mean, and and they do get Alabama coming up uh, this next weekend at home. Um, so Ken Palm has that three. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be something like that. And then uh, later later on this season, they get Auburn at home. That'll be one of those games too. And Kentucky, obviously, at the end of the season. But this is the SEC. What I've found is like what you said. Like I'm Florida's in that group where I, I don't know what number I would want to take them at on the road. I, I feel a lot better about them at home. I feel like they're in the the weird middle of the SEC. Like I, I think the bad of the SEC, like Vanderbilt's obviously really bad. I'm starting to think Missouri's pretty bad, mm. and I, I I'm almost certain that uh, that South Carolina is is bad. Uh, other than that, it feels like everybody's just kind of meh, and those are the kind of teams that I'm scared to like. Oh, it's your 10 points at Tennessee or 10 points at Auburn. 
I, I'm not interested in those. Like it, I, I, I'm with you. I don't want to lay it with Tennessee because that, it feels like it is going to be a pretty big number. But I'm certainly not like excited to back one of those middle of the pack SEC teams in one of these harsh home environments. Because I, I think when you look at a t- one of those teams going to Tennessee, Auburn, uh, Kentucky, Alabama, I, I, I'm not interested. Like those, those home courts are just so good, and those teams are so so dominant there that. It could be they could win by six, seven. They could win by twenty, and you're almost flipping a coin as as to what's going to happen. Now, when you when they're home against Vanderbilt and the number's nineteen, I, I can I, I see them winning by twenty a lot more than I see them winning by seven. So it, that's where I uh, get sucked in. But I, these middle pack teams, I, I I've been trying to avoid, and Florida falls squarely into that mix as you as you uh, said it just means more in the sec i feel like they've put in a, a lot more resources and i think that's why the home court's been a lot better i also feel like my college basketball betting career before pregame and before this podcast was really me betting six point road underdogs and i've had to almost completely remove that from my strategy at this point like it's i gotta be in love like ready to to propose to uh potentially play <laughs> Someone like that, because there's just so much risk at the end. I mean, it's harder on the favorite side because we saw your last two best bets that were probably winners, but uh, teams towards the end were more focused on running the clock out or potentially getting ready to check their phones and see how many new Instagram followers they have. Uh, And so it's just like one of those things where it's really hard. If you're picking games that have big spreads, it's way different than just winning, unfortunately. And uh, that's my hesitation with favorites, though it seems to me there's a lot more of the like big 20, 25 point blowouts sure. than I think we've used to see. So um, it's one of those that we'll probably see a lot more in the SEC. And I, I, I think I'm a little bit warmer on South Carolina than you, but I, I have not watched them at all this season. So I probably need to do some more homework on that one. All right, let's get into the Mountain West, where it means a little bit less than the SEC, but it's still, it was, I still think we got a pretty good game here with Utah State headed to New Mexico. And Utah State, now 15 consecutive wins, the nation's longest winning streak, as uh, they got a road win at UNLV over the weekend. They have road wins at Air Force, Santa Clara, and slew this season, as well as a couple of uh of murderers row. Wins. They'd they'd call that. Uh, I mean, well, listen for for their uh, their level. It's it's pretty strong. Sure. Uh, and th- this is a team that the analytics don't seem to love. They are sixteen and one. They're still forty first in Ken Palm. Um, New Mexico. Obviously, this to me this was like a a statement win for them against San Diego State. This is their best win of the season. Uh, and New Mexico, New Mexico still has been pretty dominant at home, not dominant away from home. Something's got to give either Utah state, like who, like I said, has the longest win streak in the country. Either that comes to an end or New Mexico's home winning streak comes to an end. We're going to guess this one at minus three. Can New Mexico do what they did to San Diego state, which it seemed like they just kind of wore them down. And I mean, Again, this game, it was almost getting away from New Mexico to start. And they just, they kept coming, kept coming. And it was a night really where you, you would think the threes need to fall for New Mexico to win. They, they shot 29% from three, uh, but they dominated the glass, 47 rebounds for the Lobos. And, and they forced 13 turnovers. 
what what do you think of this matchup and and do you think that Utah State can can go into the pit and get a big win? I don't think Utah State is able to go into the pit and get a road win. I also feel like after watching San Diego State steam from one and a half at the open, uh, bet online open, I think is what I was looking at, or maybe DraftKings or something of that nature, whatever came out first, and seeing it close three and a half, that makes me think New Mexico is probably going to be fairly expensive uh, compared to that three you're projecting. I mean, the number, I, I think, is probably fits what this spread should be. But seeing a ton of respect from New Mexico in the marketplace or for New Mexico, that makes me think it probably closes a little bit higher. Um, I think Utah State, I mean, they're a good team. I felt like I backed them against Colorado State uh, a couple of weekends ago, and it felt to me like they were very fortunate to get a home win there. Uh, and it's almost like one of those things where their great win record has has kind of made them a little bit overvalued to me. And so I'm going to be looking to see if I can play something on New Mexico pretty early when that number is released. Uh, Cause I feel like it only climbs as we saw the same this weekend. Now, San Diego state was really weird to me because they took that big lead early as we already talked about. Uh, it really seemed like the pace and energy that New Mexico was using was just something San Diego state couldn't keep up with because they're a, a slow paced team and, and pretty much New Mexico's tiny guards were just racing down the floor and getting layups or long twos, which I absolutely hate. And I think analytics would despise as well, but it worked really well at, at home. I think that sort of thing will happen. Um, so to me, it's a, a New Mexico or nothing type of play for me. There's still a team I really want to be against as much as possible away from home. I think at the pit, they've kind of confirmed with that performance that even coming from like 13 or 15 down in the first half and blowing out San Diego state, that they can pretty much turn any sort of game into a cover uh, in that building at the pit. So I'm probably staying as far away from uh, fading New Mexico at home and really hoping they're, they're short favorites more often than they probably will be, though. Mountain West is a pretty strong league this year, so there's probably some decent opportunities to get them in the single digits when they probably beat teams handily at home. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I'm with you in that I'm certainly not looking to fade New Mexico at home. And I actually thought, well, maybe I'm going to try like a little middle here because I had an early number on New Mexico. And then when it, I, I saw it touch four at one point, I was like, ooh, maybe, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, it, they're just, there's something about that place right now. They're just playing such good ball there. I want nothing to do with it. All right, let's head to the Big <laughs> East. Man, this Creighton team is going to be the end of me. Um, I don't know what to make of them. This was. A, a frustrating uh, non-cover, <laughs> uh, I guess, for for them against this St. John's team, where I mean, they had like a, a felt like they they were going to run away with this thing early on, uh, and then St. John's got a got ahead of them for a while. It was it was a, a weird back and forth game, but I I thought that I I think I was texting you. I I when Cockburner's on the floor, Creighton's like my favorite team in the country, and then when he's not, I hate them. And Trey Alexander is getting in the like the in that conversation of most frustrating player in the country for me because like you've got one job, dude. It's make threes, and now he can't. And and you know, thankfully for Creighton, they've got you know Shireman and and Stephen Ashworth and and Mason Miller who can. But the problem is Trey Alexander's still shooting him like he can. And this season has just been a disaster from that standpoint. He is a 30% three-point shooter on the year. He was a 41% three-point shooter last year. Uh, and the volume is about the same. That's problematic. So uh, 
I'm, I'm getting to the point of the tipping point where I just want to stay away from all Creighton games. And I'm, it's hard for me because I was so high on this team coming into the season. And then UConn, I mean, the, the, it, it's weird because they just continue to truck on without Donovan Klingon. And I, I'm not sure when we get him back, but it doesn't, doesn't much matter. It seems like what they just, uh, blow out Georgetown. They, um, you know, they, they've got good road wins. Like they're doing everything that they shouldn't be able to do without their best player. Um, what are they able to do against this Creighton team? And is Kalkbrenner the kind of guy who can expose the fact that Klingon's not there? Uh, we're projecting UConn around five, five and a half here, I think, uh, hosting Creighton. What do you, what do you see in this matchup? I feel like the inconsistency of Creighton might even make that line a little bit bigger, but uh, that's probably in the range. Um, I feel like UConn are just a team I'm not looking to be against. They have great crowd support, um, and they, I mean, I think one of the most underrated additions is Cam or Pat Spencer. I can't remember his first name, but he's similar. Like every time he comes off like a little curl screen and I'm like, oh, he might miss this one. Like it, it feels like it's always pure, like barely hits rim. If it hits rim, it's like a bad shot for him, but it still goes down. So um, I don't really know what it would take for me to want to be against UConn. Maybe after watching them just roll through the NCAA tournament last <laughs> year against some of the best teams in, in college basketball and, and really just dispose of, of bodies and throw them in like the hydrochloric acid and break them down right away. It was amazing to me what we saw there. And I just feel like they're like, there's money to be made in this sport in a lot of different spots, but I feel like that is a really tough one to do it. Uh, especially considering the 30% three point shooter, Trey Alexander, as you've mentioned and uh, talked about, I feel like it's a little bit different of an offense with Nemhard off to Gonzaga. He can't make any three pointers at this point, but I think his ability to break people down is slightly different than Steven Ashworth, a Utah state transfer. Um, and I think that might just mean something about having more open shots or just slightly more open because everything is still within like a wingspan, it seems in this sport. Um, I don't really know what number it would take for me to want to back Creighton. I feel like it would have to cover fouling late, and I don't think we're going to see that type of number. So uh, for me, it's back Creighton at home. Um, look for them to be in a tournament or when they can get out of the Big East because it just seems to me, especially after watching what happened to Creighton last year when Kalkbrenner was out with Mono and then also watching UConn go on a really bad streak, it might just be that these teams, the Big East, know each other so well. There's only so many teams in the conference. They all seem to have pretty established coaches and uh, the weird like tic-tac-toe type stuff at the end with covering spreads when all of a sudden the team that was leading throughout. Like I, I rewatched your best bet from, uh, I think it was St. John's hosting Providence a couple of shows ago. And mm -hmm. that cover was honestly incredible. Providence was down 14, I think, in the first half. And then yeah. like literally... I think they had like a, a 15 point, like 18 to three run or something like that in the second half. And then literally had a shot to win the game, which like, I, if you would have told me that in the first half, I was like, no effing way is this going to happen. So uh, it, it's weird to me. I'm not like saying there's any funny business with legal gambling across a lot of this country, though, not yet here in the great country of Texas, unfortunately, but uh, just one of those things where I feel like there's a lot of money to be made in this sport and it's really hard to do in the big East. And so maybe that's, just a, a ticket. You got to really love something if you want to get involved or else maybe just watch for, for some fun and you'll probably get some weird and thing at the end that makes Donnie Marshall uh, grow hair again. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such, it's so weird this season because like if I had told you that Seton Hall would be five and one in conference play and 
Marquette would be two and three. Like, there's no way you would have believed that. Like, it's just it's it's banana land right now in the in the Big East. So I do think it's harder and harder to bet this conference right now, which is unfortunate because it's usually one of my favorite ones to bet uh, because usually the, the haves and the have nots are there's a pretty wide gap. And I mean, DePaul and Georgetown are old reliable, like they're they're reliably terrible. Uh, but everybody else feels like you throw them in a bag, you draw one out, and that might be the best team in the league one day, and the and the eighth best team in the league the next day. So, uh, yeah, I just need you to excuse me for a moment. I'm gonna have to delete my uh, Shaheen Holloway's looking for a new job <laughs> tweets from just probably two weeks ago I mean, because they, I mean he might be coach of the year in the Big East at this yeah, point. So like he uh, he continues to make me look foolish as well. So uh, you're you're not the only one. All right, let's uh, let's get to best bets. But before we do, Griffin, as always, let's save the people some money at pregame. Yeah, uh, use the promo code Dribble fifteen. Uh, don't don't dribble any food out of your mouth. Just dribble the ball right into the hole. That's what we're looking for with all of our teams, and hopefully the, the opposites for uh, who we're against. But Dribble fifteen, good for fifteen dollars off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good for seven days from the podcast release. So I guess this is technically a Monday, January fifteenth release. So you got till the twenty second, but don't wait. We've got NFL playoffs going on right now, and by the way, AJ Hoffman. Uh, you might have heard of him before, but his incredible streak in the NFL, I think five and one this weekend, plus uh, 63 and a half NFL units. If I'm calculating that, that's what this email says before this yeah. wonderful weekend occurred. So, wow. And also uh, between us saved me a, a Lions bet uh, that I was considering a lot during this week and ended up kind of switching sides to a what felt like a, a very small number that was kind of suspicious on the Rams tonight. And they went out in style uh, with an awesome cover. But back to the promo code. Use the promo code DRIBBLE15. Good for $15 off. We got packages up going for all of 2024. We got the rest of the college basketball season. Get in there so you don't have to worry about buying each day or, uh, you know, buy each day and use this $15 code. I think it will work once. So uh, use the $15. We get some uh, kudos from our bosses when that happens. It keeps this podcast going. So please uh, give us give us a shout. Use Triple Fifteen and uh, save yourself some money. All right, let's get into best bets. Another one in one week. This one was my fault once again. I feel like I you, I've at least caught up with uh, with your early season woes. We're at least even now. Uh, I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a uh, celery chopped up and. Let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1. And all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and Five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. 
DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with Pick 6? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. I might have been 0-8 to start the year. (laughs) So that was, uh, I'm hoping that is never going to happen to anyone else. But I've I've come back to the mean, I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with a game that's happening on Monday. And I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. You can get them right now, minus one, hosting Iowa. And... A lot of this, I'm just not sold on this Iowa team. Uh, without the interior threat that they've had the last few years, this McCaffrey off- offense just is not as effective. Uh, the numbers are a little inflated, like their metrics are a little inflated because they've they've put up big numbers on really bad teams, uh, which they tend to schedule early in the season. You know, I mean, a lot of teams do, but it doesn't mean that they're a great offense. And this Gopher defense is pretty solid. Uh, Iowa's just two and three in conference. All three losses on the road. The two wins have come at home against Rutgers and Nebraska, two of the lesser teams in the Big Ten. So uh, I, I think this is a good spot to uh, to jump in against Iowa. The Gophers have been really good to the the, the folks who have backed them this season. Fourteen and two ATS this year, yet they still seem kind of disrespected in the market. I mean, this number says that Iowa's a better team than them. Uh, I, I think Minnesota is going to take the air out of the ball. I think they ride their defense, they ride the three-point shooting, and they get a nice home win here. So getting them uh, just at at basically a a pick them, uh, I've got to go with the Gophers here. So Minnesota minus one will be my best bet. I really love locking in minus ones because if your team wins, you at worst will push. No matter if they bank in a three from California and the game's played in Madison Square Garden, it doesn't matter if they win the game, those dreaded up four lates uh, three-point shots with no unguards you don't want to foul hate those and then really I think very underrated part of a minus one against Fran McCaffrey on the road is you're basically playing plus one because you'll probably get a technical foul and two free throws unguarded which uh, is is, <laughs> is one of the most true. important things unfortunately it does swing a lot of games I'm actually uh, meticulous enough this year I'm tracking technical fouls for and against me and uh I'm going to I'm going to look at the end of the year just because I don't want to get too upset while we're uh, live on camera. But this was this. I mean, that was a a real strategy for me betting against UConn for a long time because I I knew that like Hurley was going to lose his shit and he was going to cost them points late in the game. He's calmed down, unfortunately. I guess once you win a national championship, you got a little wiggle room. You you can uh, your, your blood pressure goes down some. But. Uh, there was a time when that was almost automatic. Oh, a close game? Uh, he'll he'll get that tech. Don't worry. Where are you headed for your best bet, Griffin? Yeah, uh, amazing, you know, what a national title will do for you. And uh, maybe he could potentially, like, 
refer his therapist to his brother down in Tempe. Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go with the NC State Wolfpack. AJ projected a pick to me. I'll play him up to minus three or maybe even minus four. Um, I'm not really a believer yet in this Wake Forest team. It's getting a ton of respect in the ACC, but it feels like to me a pretty down conference. Uh, they're going to shoot a lot of threes, and that's really scary away from home. Uh, they have a better, more talented team. Steve Forbes is a great coach, but I think going into rally is going to be a really tough win for anyone in this league. So give me NC state as a small home favorite. I feel like they've been uh, maybe slept on a little bit. I mean, seeing Virginia essentially close a, a, a pick them with them at bet online a couple weekends ago with their road struggles, just uh, maybe people don't think NC state is good. Uh, I'll back Mr. Burns in the middle uh, who basically needs two guys to uh, defend him. And then, um, maybe some potential three-pointers or transition from the players around them in their uh, Creighton-like type of offense. Or actually, let's go Purdue-like type of offense. Yeah, this uh, it, it, NC State, I think, is a little little undervalued. And I started thinking about what happened to them at home against North Carolina. And North Carolina is another team that I think I was just wrong on. Like I, I just think North Carolina is a lot better than I thought they were coming into this season. And... Sometimes you have to like just admit, okay, like when a team like kicks you in the teeth 15 times, you say, okay, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I, I was wrong about them. And as, as far as Wake, uh, they seem to be a darling. Uh, they're getting very respect, respected numbers. Um, but this team lost at Florida State, who I don't think is good. Uh, I know they're on a nice little run. I don't think they're good. And early in the season, they lost at Georgia. I don't think they're good either. My first bet of the year, baby. Yes. Thank you. Yes. If they can lose in those, in those gyms right now, then they can certainly uh, go out to, to Raleigh and, and catch an L as well. So I agree with you on this one. All right. That is going to do it for another episode. That is going to get you through Thursday where we'll come back and preview the weekend's games, which I guess may or may not now include Alabama at Tennessee, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that game or Tennessee at Alabama. What did, did I say? Which one did I say it was? I think it was uh, Alabama at Tennessee. But I think it know. was so uh, Alabama at Tennessee. So we'll discuss that. We'll discuss uh, Tennessee being a short home favorite Ooh, against hope. Alabama. So uh, we'll we'll get into that one. Griffin, always fun, my man. Best of luck this week with the bets, and best of luck to you guys out there. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week.